His name was John the Baptist, but he was confused about who Jesus really was. So he sent two disciples. Very interesting. This is a great day to study. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And as this program is called Bible Discovery TV, we're discovering Luke chapter seven. It is a great day to focus on this. Ryan is here. Ryan, what's going on? Well, today I'm going to be focusing on the woman who had an issue of bleeding for 12 years mm. who was finally healed by simply touching the hem of Jesus' garment. All right, that's going to be really interesting. Uh, Janice? Press in. Don't give up. All right, very good. And also, Brian is here. Brian Como from Kennedy Road Tabernacle. Good to have you, and we'll talk to you later. Thank you. All right, very good. So this is a good time to open up your Bible, the world's best-selling book, mm -hmm. and to listen to what God is saying to us, because as we do that, the Lord begins to speak. So Father, help us today to hear your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke 7, 18 through 30. Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And that very hour... He cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, who is not offended because of me. When the messengers of John had departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who are gorgeously appareled and live in luxury are in king's courts. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And when all the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. Luke chapter 7, verses 18 through 30. Well, we continue to study in the book of Luke. This is a Gentile writer, and we study chapter 7 and chapter 8. As we look at this today, we are focused on John the Baptist in Luke chapter 7, beginning with verse 18. Now, John the Baptist was a great man called of God. 
and Jesus spoke of him in a positive and powerful way. Jesus explained the importance of John's ministry as a messenger ahead of him and told the people, for I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Luke chapter 7, verse 28. What? Well, the Lord even used the weakness of John the Baptist, whose faith was shaken while he was in prison. The failure of John to see and proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ in those moments, well, that was real. His questioning grew more out of confusion than out of doubt. And confusion and fear can make us doubtful and easily point us in the wrong direction. John chose to clear up the doubt rather than to fester it. He sent two of his disciples to ask Jesus directly, are you the one or should we wait for another? Are you the Christ or should we wait for another? Think about where John's at. He's in prison and he sees all of this going on. He's, he can't do anything and he's ultimately going to be executed in prison. Isn't that something? But he says, he goes directly to God, as we should always go to Jesus Christ. Whenever we doubt God or doubt things, go to Jesus Christ and ask him. The Lord will tell you. Let me, let me tell you that. That's important. Now today, John's doubt in weakness in Luke chapter 7 is what we study. Go get your Bible guide and turn to it. If you don't have one, call us or write to us or, or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Click on it. It'll take you to a page to donate. I want to say thank you very much for your donations in these unsettling times. And Father, I just want to pray for everybody who is going through these difficult times. And I ask that you would help them, help us as we continue to serve you. Uh, we don't serve this world. We don't serve the employers or the political or anything. We serve you, God. So help us to serve you in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen. As we study this, we need to understand that God is talking to us. And so, Father, help us, help us as we study your word to hear what you're saying. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen. Now, this October, let's take a look at this because this is fascinating. Luke chapter 7, beginning with verse 18. Then his disciples, or the disciples of John, reported to him concerning all these things. Now, John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus Christ, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Can you imagine saying that? Well, let me tell you, John was. John was confused about the truth of who Jesus was and sent two of his men to question him. The Holy Spirit empowers each of us to do the right thing the right way. I, I really think this is important because a lot of times when we get confused, we start questioning ourselves. Is this really right? Is that really right? Wait, did that really happen? Did this really happen? And that's what happens to us because our mind wanders and takes us all kinds of places. But if we go to God and if we say Jesus, if we follow the pattern of John the Baptist and go to Jesus and say Jesus, I need to know the answer to this question. Why didn't you answer my prayer? So it seems. Why didn't you? And you know what God will do? God will display for us the truth. 
He will tell us the answer. So Father, I pray today that you would show us the answer to those questions in Jesus' name. Now let's go on because in verse 20, it says, when the men had come to him, that's Jesus Christ, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the coming one or do we look for another? And that very hour, he cured many infants or many infirmities and afflictions and evil spirits. And to many blind, he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things you have seen and heard that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And, the, and blessed is he who does not or is not offended in because of me. That's amazing. The men brought back a report to John about the things they had seen and heard about Jesus Christ. We serve God best through knowing and acting upon his word, not on how we feel. I can tell you, how do you feel? Well, I can feel one way after having a big slice of pizza. Tastes good going down, but boy, it hurts afterwards. It's not how we feel that's important. It's what God says. That's important. And we have to praise God no matter how we feel. It's not about our felt needs. It's about our real faith. Our real faith. That's important. Faith is not always a feeling. Keep that in mind. Verse 24. When the messengers of John had departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who are gorgeously apparelled and live luxuriously are in king's courts. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare you or prepare your way before you. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And when all of the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers, well, they rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. That brings me to this point as I thought about this. God highlights Malachi 3 verse 1 and conquers the spirit of religious pride. Boy, that's a terrible thing. The least in the kingdom of God is the greatest in Christ. The least in the kingdom of God is the greatest in Christ. If we want to be great in Christ, we don't seek to be a big speaker having everybody, all the TV cameras and all the people look at us, millions and millions of people. That's not what we do. We seek to bring God to the people. It's not about us. It's about the Lord. It's not about me. It's about God. It's not about you. It's about God. And his word reveals who his character is, beloved. 
We need to pay attention to his word. We need to read the Bible. And that's exactly what we're trying to do here on this program. So Father, help us to do that. Help us to maintain it and stay strong. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. This character of King Saul, this historical figure. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that most of us, when we think of King Saul, we think of the bad guy foil to King David. But an entire book of the Bible is also dedicated to mostly his reign. Of course, that's 1 Samuel. So I'm really excited to jump into it today and see what we can learn about Saul. Today, my focus is on Luke chapter 8, verses 43 to 48. And this is the very well-known account where the woman who had an issue of bleeding for 12 years was healed instantly by simply touching the hem of Jesus' garment. And before I get into the significance of the hem, I just want to say that there was no magic involved here. Simply touching the garment didn't heal her. It was her faith. It was her faith that Jesus could heal her that made her well. That's why Jesus said to her, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Now, with that being said, there is cultural significance to this woman reaching for the hem of Jesus' garment. And to understand its significance, we need to go back to Isaiah 6. So let's do that. In the year that King Uzziah died, declares the prophet Isaiah, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. In the ancient cultures, garments played an important role, which is why Isaiah's observation concerning the Lord's robe, and specifically to the train of his robe, is especially significant. The Hebrew word for train is shul, which means hem, border, fringe, bottom edge of a skirt or train. In the ancient world, the hem or fringes of a garment represented authority. Thus, to cut off the hem of one's garment was to strip that person of his authority and personality. In fact, a husband could divorce his wife by simply cutting off the hem of her robe. A nobleman could authenticate his name on a clay tablet by pressing his particular hem on a clay tablet. It was like a signature or seal. Thus, when David cut off the hem of Saul's garment, he was cutting off his genealogy that was embroidered in the hem. That was his symbol of kingship. This is why David later repented of that act against the Lord's anointed. Joseph's so-called coat of many colors was actually a seamless robe with a special hem which implied a position of privilege. When Ruth asked Boaz to put his hem over her, she was putting the claim of leveret marriage upon him, which he of course accepted. In God's covenant with Israel, he declares in Ezekiel 16:8, I will spread the edge of my garment over thee. In other words, God was putting his authority, his mantle, his protection, and his covering over Israel. In fact, according to the Mosaic law, every Jew was obliged to wear a fringe or tassel at each of the four corners of the outer garment, one thread of each tassel to be deep blue. These tassels were to be to them a perpetual reminder of the law of God and of their duty to keep it. This means that Jesus, as an obedient Jew, would also have had these tassels. In fact, this was the very hem which the woman with the issue of blood wanted to touch, because conceptually that's where his authority was. Of course, Jesus also wore a seamless robe, which interestingly enough was never torn during his crucifixion, perhaps signifying that his priesthood is without end. Indeed, according to the vision of Isaiah, our Lord still wears a robe in his heavenly habitation, 
and the train or hem of that robe fills the temple. Hence, as Jesus himself declared to his disciples in Matthew 28:18, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So the train or hem or edge of the garment in ancient cultures represented authority. And when we come to realize this, it really brings illumination to a lot of Bible passages. Uh, Genesis 37, 1 Samuel 24, Isaiah 6, Matthew 9 and 26, uh, as well as Ezekiel 16. I think it would be a really good personal prayer to ask God to spread the hem of his garment over us. Mm. And if you're unwell, then reach out in faith to your creator, just as this woman did. You know, that's important to remember all the cultural uh, significance of these images that we see. Mm. And uh, that that's something that we would do well to take care of and to keep in mind. So thank you, Ryan, for that. Janice? Today, I don't want to take up too much time because we have a really special guest. I know you've been enjoying him over the last few days. I called this Press In, Don't Give Up because we find in this chapter of Luke chapter 7, we find that John the Baptist is in prison. Now, Herod had put him in prison because he had married his brother's wife, Herodias. And John was very vocal to let Herod know and anybody else who was willing to listen that it was unlawful for him to have his brother's wife, Herodias, was furious over that. And in fact, it was through her manipulation that had John the Baptist put to death while in prison. Um, but we find John in this area of prison right now, and it's it seems as though he's having a moment of weakness. He's having some doubts about, about who Jesus is. And he sends, he's talking to his disciples, and so he sends them to Jesus to ask him, are you the one or should we seek another? And, and I thought to myself, this is John the Baptist. He knew what his calling was. He was born uh, as a miracle to his parents, Elizabeth and Zacharias, as a calling, as that one voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. He knew that. And But in this moment, he had doubt. Do you have moments of doubt? I know that I do. There are times in my life where things just seem to be coming at me from all directions. And I have moments of fear. I have moments of worry, anxiety, doubt. But instead of retreating, I want to be like John. I want to be able to press in. And John was not able to get out of prison, but he had men that he could send. And he sent them to Jesus. He pressed in and he asked them. And Jesus, as Jesus was, said, watch. And he, he was healing. Mm. He was restoring people. The blind could see. The mm. deaf were healed. Paralyzed people were getting up and walking. Demonic spirits were being cast out. And he said, go back and tell John what you've seen. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what they did. And isn't that, isn't that wonderful I, that, that we can have that same, like this, I, this is the same Jesus. We need to press in. When we have those times of doubt, don't, don't slink back, mm. but press in. Mm -hmm. You're not going to scare God away. He has the answers. There's nothing that you've gone through that, number one, he doesn't already know about. Mm -hmm. He can handle it. He is our Father in heaven, and he can handle it. Come to him. Don't, don't slink away. Come to him. The other, and, and that's important. Uh, yeah. And the other thing to remember is that he didn't make fun of John. He didn't right. criticize John. He didn't say, you know, you should yeah. know. But exactly. he provided, and he said, tell him yeah. what you have seen. Yes. And that's really important. Brian Como mm -hmm. is here from Kennedy Road Tabernacle in Brampton, Ontario. Big church, great ministry. Brian, you were saved when you were 17, your yeah. family. Right. And you go into Christian school, but then you go back to regular school because you have to 
be an example right. and you have to show that. But you mentioned something yesterday, and that is that your father died, your mother, and all of that. So tell me about this. When you graduated, uh, when all of this is coming into play, what happened then? It was a shock. I mean, it's within one year, uh, sister passed away first. Um, and what, how did that happen? Uh, she had hepatitis C. Mm. So it's a death. I mean, it was really painful. And again, it, it's just, you know, everybody's on their own process and steps journey with Christ and wanted to do good, wanted to be good. And I think um, through different things, you know, how she got it was uh, through a blood transfusion uh, from an abortion. And it was just tough. It's tough. And I, and I, know, I know she wanted that relationship with Christ, but it was, and I think she beat herself up the rest of her life. And closer to where when she died, um, she really came came back to Christ and asked for forgiveness. She died. Kim's uh, father passed away. And who is Kim? Uh, my wife. Right. Very precious person in my life. And uh, next program we'll talk. Yeah, about. Oh, come on. Yeah. Uh, uh, so two, and then three months later, my father passed away. So th three in one, and he just lets you know. You said it. You've said it very good life is so short and like if if i don't if whatever you're holding on you know what you're holding on to when you go through trials and whatever tree whatever branch like we just had the major storm recently you know neighbors trees came falling down and our trees is right in the front of our yard it's this big it's just strong tree, and it just stood the test of time you you know in my spiritual life whatever i'm holding on during storms and hurricanes uh, it's either going to get me through or I'm going to fall. So I want to hold on to the rock, which is Jesus. That was the only way to get through dad's death, uh, Kim's father's death, and my sister's death. And now I have my other sister who is. But it's it, it, again, it's a process. And God gives me strength. He gives me courage. And he's walking me through this thing. And so I just have the confidence that no matter what, God is there no matter what. Did you ever have times when you would doubt? Oh, times? a million times. I mean, Rod, it's just... How'd you handle that? Well, even in church work, you know, with you and your family, it's uh, you question, you think, man, is this the right place for me? God, am I doing the right things? But my confidence, it, I, I, can't, I can't go to that selfish mode of, like, what do I feel? If God puts me, he's put you guys in a place of speaking to millions of people. God puts me in a place then you must see some value in me. He so instead of, I just want to do better, Lord, I just, I just want to follow you closer. I want to lean in. I know you've got great things, you have great plans, whatever that is for me, but I just, in my doubting, what's the script? In my weakness, share my strength. So when I don't understand, show yourself more real to me. And he always does. How did he do that in the time of your father's death and all of that, that three-month period? Oh, it's just, it's dad, Saturday, gone, Sunday, preach, Thursday, funeral. The strength, it just makes you more solid in your faith in Christ. He never leaves you, never forsakes you. When you're going through times, I'm not alone. I may feel lonely, but he's always there. I have my amazing wife who's with me i have my son who's with me but god is an ever-present help in the time of trouble so i know he's there 
He walks with me. So if, if all those scriptures I'm preaching to people in the audience and in the, in the, the church, it's got to come back to me. So it's not just words that we've, we, we just spew out of our mouth, you know, because it sounds so religious. He is. He's my constant friend. And I can almost hear my father just speak to me. Every word I would, I would read, it's, his name was JC, and I could hear JC say, do not stop. Lift up your head. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, this idea of a doubt and all of that, you've faced it and you've been through it. Tell me briefly, uh, we've, we've got one minute and 40 seconds left, but tell me quickly, uh, after school and all of that, you went to the music side and right. uh, tell me what you did. Well, music side, went to the Imperials, uh, went music at recorded album. That's how old I am, Janice. <laughs> you, I'm there with you. You know nothing about this. <laughs> I'm there uh, with you, Ryan. Yeah. yeah. Cassettes, yeah. Cassettes, the whole yeah. bit yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And trying to find your place. So you do it. And, and I wanted to do something on my own to where, God, if this is your calling for me, then you're going to make it work. Um, did the thing, made the albums, called the churches, did the concerts, went from that to... And then I went to uh, Brownsville Assembly of God in Pensacola, Florida, went there as a youth pastor. Um, Felt the niche to to travel again. You know, it's not. It, went, it was there five years. Uh, travel with the Imperials. Went back to church. So it's just been the journey. I love people, and I, love, I was telling you earlier. I love to where I love to see people's growth. I don't want to just be in a church where it, you're the one shot wonder. You come in, you do your concert, and you and you blow out, and and you don't know what happens in people's lives. I love it. I love seeing new people come to the church. My constant question is, you know, how many people have said hi to them? How many people welcomed them? Who's hugged their necks and stuff? It's, it's important. That's what's important to me. Yeah, it's important. And I remember when uh, we came there and uh, you were always concerned about shaking my hand and, and getting a hold Well, y'all live way up here in Orangeville, which, which is like 20 minutes China. Away. It's like really far. On the next program, we're going to talk about his wife and all of that. So make sure that you make time to join us. It's a great program. A lot of people talk about John the Baptist and his doubt, but keep in mind that how he responded, he went to Jesus. That's how we should respond. And so today, let's go to Jesus Christ and we pray. We lock out all of the other outside circumstances and we say, Lord, help us to stay close to you in your spirit, capital S. You're the Holy Spirit of God. We need to think like you and be like you. Help us to do that today in Jesus' name. Amen.